Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or to be devoted to the one and despite the other, despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Nice job. You may be seated. Thank you, everybody. Very well done. Didn't they do a good job this morning leading us in worship? So, uh, great day. Uh, Pastors love days like this where we get to do a lot of the things that distinguish us as as a church. We have already done a baby dedication. We have done some baptisms. And later on, we will approach this table and take the Lord's Supper. And typically, at the end of the service, I will say something to you about your posture, about your posture as you move toward the table. Let's talk about that posture as you move toward the table. And uh, just, let's just understand this as rehearsal, I guess, for what will happen at the end of the service. As you approach the people who are holding the bread and the cup, here's something I do not want you to do. Please do not take out your wallet as if you're about to pay for something. I mean, how strange would that be? You're walking up to the person holding the bread. You're walking up to the person holding the cup. And what if you were to say, okay, how much will that be? Strange, right? Because really... Almost everywhere else that you would get bread and drink today, it will cost you money. But at this table, at the end of this service, the best kind of bread, the best kind of cup is available to you. And here's the thing. If you pay for it, then you missed it. If you do not receive it as a gift then you will have missed its significance. In other words, when you come to the table, now this is where it gets confusing, so stay with me here. In other words, when you come to this table with your hands like this, by the way, have your hands like this. You do not have to reach and grab, snatch, or steal because there will be enough and someone will make sure that you have all that you need. Okay? When you come to this table, You are participating in this moment in a very strange economy. 
What you're going to hear from me today is not an anti-free enterprise, anti-capitalism diatribe. I'm just, I'm just not going to do that because, I'm, frankly, I don't believe it. I do want us to make sure that we do not worship a system of economics, right? I'm not sure that one is somehow inherently more Christian than another. People in another continent, another country might disagree with us if we were to try to make that point. I will say this to you, though. This is a very different economy. When you can come to the table and receive the best where bread and beverage are concerned and yet not have to pay anything for it, that is a different kind of economy. And I can see where, for me and for you, it's got to be hard. It's got to be confusing. Had this discussion this week. It's got to be confusing to have a foot in multiple economies. One, one Capitalism, free enterprise, we use phrases like this, you get what you pay for. We also say there is no free lunch. But in this economy, <laughs> what you get that you don't have to pay for is more important than anything you'll pay for today. It's a great place for an amen. I'll just wait. Amen. Does everybody understand that? It, I, let's all acknowledge that it is, it's a different kind of way to be alive, this Christianity thing, because you do have to have a foot in different kinds of worlds, and today you have to have a foot in two different kinds of economies. In one that you will participate in probably the rest of the day. If you go to a restaurant, and if you say to this restaurant, we really enjoyed our food that we would like to receive as a gift, you, you perhaps will be met with some resistance. But this meal, you cannot pay for. And this meal is meant to nourish you and shape you so that you can understand yourself kind of the way that we understand the bread. Here's what we say about the bread every time. This bread is taken, blessed, broken, and given. Guess what? That should be your Sunday and your Monday and your Tuesday ad infinitum. We eat in the hopes that God can shape us to be that same kind of bread that is taken, blessed, broken, and given. But if you're going to charge everyone for the Christianity that you're going to unleash upon them, then you've missed the point of this meal. In other words, I still want you to participate in this economy even when you're not in this room. Now, will you still have to participate in the other economy? Well, yes. I mean, you can't steal gas. Please don't steal gasoline. That's, if you are, put another church's bumper sticker on your car, okay? We have some other church's bumper stickers here in case uh, you have, we keep a supply just in case. I know that you're gonna have to participate in the other economy. I understand that. But participate as people who are also all the time participating in this economy. There was, there is not, yes, there is a clicker. Thank you, Brandon. We have said this every week and we're going to continue to say it. 
You're an iceberg, I'm an iceberg, we're all icebergs. And typically what these sermons try to do is tell us what to do and what not to do. So it sticks around up there at the top of the iceberg. But beneath just actions, you have desires that give rise to actions. And beneath that, you have a story or a worldview that gives rise to certain desires that then gives rise to certain actions. Throughout Scripture, it runs like a ribbon, like a thread throughout Scripture. One of the chief enemies of God is amnesia. When the people of God forget, forget who they are and who God is, things go awry. One of the chief reasons that people get amnesia, one of the chief reasons throughout all of the pages of Scripture, one of the chief reasons that the people of God would get amnesia, money. Money. Seems that the more affluent the Christian the greater challenge it is to remember that life itself is a gift. And so, in a sermon series entitled Kingdom Come, we have said this all the time. Jesus is not just praying that the kingdom will come. Jesus is announcing that the kingdom has come. Jesus is announcing that the kingdom has come, and since the kingdom has already come, there are certain ways that you and I are supposed to live and posture ourselves, even when we find ourselves with one foot in this economy and another foot in the kingdom economy. And so what we have today, following up a very important passage like the Lord's Prayer, what we have today is sort of commentary on the Lord's Prayer. You remember there's this line in the Lord's Prayer that we have trouble with. I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a tough one. Let me take some pressure off. We pray the Lord's Prayer in the hopes that someday we will both believe it and embody it. But that doesn't mean that you can't pray it right now. You pray that direction. You don't have to have it all figured out right now. But you pray that direction. We are praying to get to the point where we can say, God, you are utterly reliable to give me this day's worth of daily bread, and I'll be okay with that. So many of us in the room are not yet okay with that. These verses today are commentary on a verse like that. Jesus is going to say to us, who are willing to be kingdom citizens, here are the threats that you face. If you're going to actually embody and unleash this kingdom, here are some of the threats you're going to face. You're going to face the threat of the guy on the Monopoly board. (laughs) That game, Monopoly. Um, We need to make sure, I, I was asking around this morning, what would, it, you, there's all kinds of opolies, right? Have you seen Sooneropoly and Cowboyopoly? There's, they got in trouble a while back. Somebody put out uh, one that was called Anti-Monopoly and got sued by Monopoly, right? You can't do that, apparently. Another person put out Coopoly and has been roundly criticized for Coopoly. Somebody put out one called Ghettoopoly and that did not go over well at all. Ghettoopoly did not go over well at all. What would Monopoly look like If it was a church version, it would look like a different game altogether. I recognize that some of you really don't have a choice, that some of you are locked into a life where you have to, in some sense, play this game, but how will you play that game? 
It's again a question of identity. What are you first? Are you that guy who then comes to church? Or are you Christian who goes and somehow affects or infects the monopoly game that you're in? I had someone say to me not too long ago, a person of great means and a wonderful human being who said, hey, I'm trying to make all the money I can so that I can benefit the church all that I can. Hear me say, amen. You making all the money that you can is not the problem unless or until you making all the money that you can means that somehow you are something other than Christian first. And if that guy ends up being something other than Christian first, if he allows someone else to determine his ethics or his posture in the world, if anybody else gets to determine those ethics and posture in the world such that he comes by all of this money in terrible sorts of ways, hear me say this, I would rather not have the money than lose him to the kingdom. My wife told me not to fish for amen, so I will not. I will not fish for amen. So, Jesus. <laughs> so, Jesus, knowing that we have this danger around us all the time, says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where the thieves do not break in and steal. He's not even so much talking about stuff right now as he's talking about that appetite that you have to accumulate. Jesus is asking a very, a very significant question. Is there any sense at all in trying to accumulate anything since what you're trying to accumulate will not have eternal value? What kinds of things have eternal value? Well, the kinds of things that have to do with quality of life. Yes, for you, but also for those around you. Have you invested yourself have you invested your money in ways that quality of life is improved? If you haven't, you need to. Here's a hard verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man. Show me your treasure... Show me what you treasure. I will show you, geographically, where your heart is. And it is still possible. It was possible way back when. It is still possible to attend church sometimes even as much as twice and three and four times a month while still having your heart and your treasure somewhere else. And so Jesus said things throughout the book of Matthew to leave you and I with the impression that it's still possible to be in the orbit of the things of God and yet not really understand or really be involved or participate with the passion of God. He, he says this, there is this treasure hidden in a field. This kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And if you seriously get it, if you really understand how valuable this treasure hidden in the field or how valuable this pearl of great price really is, you will mortgage everything to have that participation, that place 
in the kingdom of God. Now, to the extent that that is nonsense to us, that extent is the measure of our distance from the imagination and the heartbeat of God. So how important is this faith thing to you? How important is this kingdom thing to you? One of the ways you can show God, one of the ways you can show yourself and the other people around you is in how you will back up your belief that these things are important by the way you handle your money. I know, I know. This is a losing proposition. Pastors get up, talk about money, immediately you all sleep. It's tough, right? It's tough because there perhaps is no more, I think talking about your money is actually more personal than talking about your sex lives. At least that's the feedback that I get. You don't want to know why? Because what you'll say to me is, yeah, because my money is my money. Put it on the scales. How does it weigh? How does it, how much does it weigh? How does it balance out with your place in the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? You've heard me say, and I'll say it again, it is not necessarily the amount of money because I have known poor people, I've known people up to their ears in debt who are just about as, who are actually are just as much uh, addicted to money and finance as somebody who's very wealthy. That said, it is the voice of Christ that we hear who says, it is very difficult for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't mean heaven after you die because that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus meant the kingdom that is unleashed in his person. The same kingdom that we pray about in the prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus says kingdom of heaven, he has in mind a word like participation. Are you participating in the kingdom of heaven? And what Jesus is saying here is, if you're participating in the kingdom of heaven, most of the time it's going to be because you are awash in gratitude for who God is and what God has done. But the wealthier you get, the less likely you are to be desperately grateful. And so, a wealthy person has a chance, has a chance to participate in the kingdom of heaven, about as much chance as there is of slipping a camel through the eye of a needle. And so Simon Peter feels the same sense of despair that you're feeling right now. And Simon Peter says, how is that even possible? Have you seen a camel, Jesus? And here's what Jesus says. You must not take this cliche lightly, you know, like a cliche. Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. In other words, even a wealthy person can participate in the kingdom of God now and not yet, if that wealthy person is given to God, but not until then.
The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. This is a very difficult passage here. And a couple of verses that seem out of place, but they're not. The eye, in the ancient understanding of the the workings of the eye, the eye was the way that you saw things, and the way that you saw things dictated how you behaved toward things or toward people. Now, even deeper than that, your heart would help your eye how to see, which would then help your body to know how to move. So your insides would help your eye, your eye helps your body. Everybody with me so far? So if you are a person in great gratitude, then you can look around and you can see life as gift, and by the way, then you will behave as if life is gift. But if you are a person in deep, 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 scary debt, then you will look at the very same world very differently. Make sense? If your eye is unhealthy and the word might have been translated evil, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you, your heart is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. There was a guy by the name of Pratt who wrote a book in 2007 called Richestan. Robert Frank, I mean, Robert Frank. And he studied the newly wealthy in the United States. I thumbed through it this week, and this one question that he asked people of great means, this one question and their answers caught my eye. He asked millionaires, people with a net worth of $1 million, how much money do you need to really feel secure? You've been successful, you have this money, how much money do you really need to feel secure? Like you can take a deep breath. The people worth $1 million said they needed $2 million. Then he asked people who were worth $10 million a piece. And he asked people who were worth $10 million, how much money do you need to really be able to take a breath and to be completely secure? And the people who were worth $10 million said, in order to be really secure, I really need $20 million. Then he asked people whose net worth was $100 million per person. You can see this coming, right? He asked them, how much money will you need to really take a deep breath and be secure. And the people worth $100 million said, if I'm really gonna relax, I really need $200 million. So can we say this? They will never find that place. Are you out there? You understand that, right? Those people will never get to that place of rest because they're serving the wrong master. So, if you're going to ask the question as was asked in our Sunday school class this morning, how much is enough? You will never be able to get that answer in a reliable sort of way. You'll never get a good answer from the financial world. If you're going to ask the question, how much is enough? The person giving you the answer better be Jesus. You can't serve both God and money. You cannot serve God and wealth. Some of your Bibles may say mammon. Mammon has to do not just with cash, but with stuff. And some people do serve stuff. 
Some people in the room, some people on the platform <laughs> are at times still guilty of serving stuff. There came a point in time when the ancient believers actually personified this word mammon. Personified it and then drew it and painted it so that you got the sneaking suspicion that mammon was not just dollar bills and a house. It was this giant, hulking, ugly sort of God vying for your attention, intimidating you into following, intimidating you away from the God who gives gifts. You are going to have to have one foot in a couple of different economies. But you better be placing most of your weight on the foot that's in the kingdom secured by Christ himself. Or else, and this is hard, hard to hear, and it's not coming from me, I'm just parroting the words of Christ here, or else you're not participating in the kingdom. And you will never get that deep breath. So how, John, how do we get from here to there? Well, spiritual formation. <laughs> For the life of me, I don't know how people can actually be Christian without accessing Scripture. I just don't get it. Now, lots of us are trying. Don't point at anybody, but you know, lots of us are trying. For the life of me, I'm not sure how people can actually live with one foot more firmly planted in kingdom economy without being people of prayer. I don't get it. Some people are trying, probably not doing super well. I don't know how people can really do this countercultural sort of thing that I'm talking about here without being a meaningful participant in the community of faith such that you have people encouraging you the right sorts of ways. Now, some folks are trying. I can't do it. I can't do it without the narrative of Scripture that helps to make sense of some crazy passages in Scripture. Crazy. I can't do it without praying, without spending some time listening as God convicts and then forgives me. I can't do it without people around the table who can share my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I can't do it without my Friday group. I can't do it without my staff. I can't do it. I will say this to you too. <laughs> now you're going to feel like this is just a pitch. Now hear this. I don't know how a person who is in bondage to the financial world can ever get out of that bondage without giving. The person who's in financial bondage, who recognizes that he or she needs to get out of it, and won't give, is dishonest with himself or herself. Take teenagers to Toronto. And I will never forget, raise your hand if you've ever been to a Toronto trip. There's probably lots of folks now that we have taken in Toronto. And listen, we have called that a mission trip. It's really an immersion experience. We, we are downtown in Toronto taking a hard look at poverty and the cycles of poverty. 
And so there is, a, there is something that we typically do every year. It's called a city walk. And we, we go walking through the mean streets of Toronto. And there are parts of Toronto that are mean. <laughs> I'll never forget going through this particular part of Toronto when one of our students came upon someone who um, obviously was struggling with her feet. Her feet were gnarly, unhealthy, and we know this, we were told this, in fact, I think we're told every time we go back to Toronto, if you lose your feet, you die six to eight months later. If you lose the function of your feet, you're going to pass away soon thereafter. And we came upon this person who had no shoes and she had terrible, terrible feet and we were only about halfway through a city walk, a city walk throughout the hard parts of the city of Toronto. Now, most of the time, <laughs> now this is confession, a lot of the time, sometimes we did on that trip what you and I do here in Oklahoma City. We just kind of move past and go, oh, that's, that's terrible. Someone should help. But Victoria gave her her shoes. And then walked the rest of the time barefoot. Oh, John, that doesn't make any sense. She just subjected her own feet to danger. It doesn't make any sense at all. You're right. It does not make any sense at all unless you have one foot in this other economy. That foot that's in this other economy is safe to be barefoot. <laughs> Are you saying she would never stub her toe or slice her foot? Nope. Nope, not saying that. I'm saying that the world changes a little bit when people who live in a country that practices capitalism, free enterprise, I'm saying that the world changes a little bit when those same people see the power and the value of participating first of all in a kingdom economy and then in the other economy. And sometimes it looks like giving away from yourself, in fact, I don't know how you begin unless or until you give away from yourself. And Jesus seems to be saying here today that you and I have a decision to make. When's the last time you chose Jesus? Over all competing suitors. When's the last time you said, I choose Christianity over what I think is the fastest growing religion in the entire United States and maybe the world, materialism. When did you last make sure that you knew and God knew? Who you really are going to choose? It's hard, isn't it? That's the reason... We're going to do this not less often, but more often. I, I, I need to announce to you, at the risk of some of you thinking, oh, it's going to lose its special nature, starting with Advent, we're going to do this every Sunday. And here's why. <laughs> this is a place where we remember. It's more than memorializing. It's more than that. But we enact also the gift of God that I hope for me and for you pushes us back toward gratitude. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I need it at least once a week. 
to be reminded, to be reminded that life is a gift. If you're going to help us with the Lord's Supper, please come now. I've done it again. I've run over time. You know, at what point will you do your hands like this? <laughs> Maybe it's not until you get right up on top of the people who have the bread and the cup. You can do it whenever you like. I want to make sure at some point you get to this place with your hands and with your posture. But maybe start a little farther back than you normally would so that you recognize that you should probably and I should probably live like this What do your kids think about how you think about money? If you have children. I think financial testimonies are pretty powerful. And by that, I am not talking about you getting up and telling us how much you've given over the past year. I mean the way you live. And whether or not, by the way you live, you demonstrate your citizenship, your kingdom citizenship. Their Heavenly Father, bless these elements now. And by them, Lord, nourish our imaginations. Help us to think better thoughts. Yes, about you. Yes, about this kingdom launched in Christ. Yes, also, God, about our participation in this kingdom. Give us the imagination to see how it is that money, that mammon, that wealth, that the passion to accumulate is at cross purposes with your kingdom. Give us the courage to honestly assess where our first citizenship lies. God, we do need imagination to know how to go about being kingdom people in a capitalistic society. But we still believe that you're faithful and that you can and that you will help us and that you can and you will help us starting with this table as we receive this gift that we could never pay for. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And when you do stand, if you would exit your pew to the left and then come forward. Come forward towards someone holding bread with your hands cupped. When you get to the person holding the bread, they will take a piece of that bread and press it into your hands and say, the body of Christ broken for you. Receive that as a gift right then and there. Then take it and dip it into the cup. When you do, that person will say, the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat it right there after that please find a place to pray now that might be back in your seats back in your pews and that's fine but it may be here at one of these padded altars altars that we have reserved for healing prayers and if you need that prayer for healing then Walt or someone or Linda will meet you to pray that prayer you may have a different kind of prayer to pray and these wooden altars are always open all the time for you to pray any kind of prayer any way you'd like. And someone will meet you there to pray that prayer as well.
But may God help us to know how to be kingdom people first. Now across the sanctuary, if you would stand and get those hands ready to receive the gift that you cannot pay for. Please move to the table now as Brandon leads us.
God, that you would help us to know what it means to be the body of Christ. God, that you would help us to know how it is that you could take people shaped by a ritual like the Eucharist. God, you would help us to know how to be people who ourselves can understand ourselves as being taken, blessed, then broken and given. Would you pray that prayer? Would you pray that God would help you to know how it is that you too, like the bread, might be taken, blessed, broken and given, that your life itself would testify to a different economy. One outside, you get what you pay for. <laughs> Ask that God would shape you differently. you are praying, would you remember the people around you who are sick, broken, hurt, damaged in any way? Would you pray that prayer right now that God would know 
they would know God's healing presence right now. specific prayer to pray would you pray that we would be increasingly increasingly the best kinds of stewards with the resources made available to us better all the time would you pray also that you would be a better and better and better steward of the resources made available to you as a gift for us to close our time of prayer together with that prayer I spoke about earlier that prayer that is so difficult to pray (laughs) so difficult to pray and mean but I want you to know that God accepts this prayer wherever you are on the journey and if you will allow God to do so he will push you another step closer to kingdom citizenship as you pray it and are open to God's leadership so let's pray it now And we'll use the words debts and debtors. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.